Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Today is Monday, June 16th, and I would like to thank all of you for tuning in this afternoon on Blog Talk Radio. This is a live radio show that is broadcast around the world. This radio show is all about keeping backyard poultry, show poultry, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Each week, we welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Tractor Supply. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brincy.com. Brincy spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7777. 
7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Frenzy, technology you can trust. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We have a great show lined up for you today, a hot topic, tis the season, and uh, we're going to welcome Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State vetsupply.com. He'll be here in just a moment. And uh, our topic today is fly control. So it, uh, again, it is the season. A very hot topic. Lots of chatter out there on the web right now about uh, fly control uh, if you have some chickens. So we're going to talk all about that during today's uh, show. Have you entered the May slash June Ultimate Chicken Coop Contest yet? Brought to you by Curtis Coops and Yard Barns. Well, if you haven't, I'm going to tell you how to do it right now and then we'll get on with the show. All you got to do to enter that awesome, awesome contest, you can win an awesome chicken tractor valued at $1,500 shipped directly to your front door fully assembled. How awesome is that? All you got to do is send me an email. Here's where to do it. Get that pen and paper ready. Okay, you're going to send that email to contest at chickenwhisperer.com. That's contest at chickenwhisperer.com line of that email, you're going to put Coop Contest in the subject line, and then in the email itself, I need three things, your name, your shipping address, and your phone number, okay? one email per person per household, so if you and your husband would like to enter, that is perfectly fine, you both just have to have a different email address, if you've got 19 people in your family and all 19 have a different email address, then all 19 of you can enter. If you live in Europe, you can enter. No worries there. If you live in Canada, if you live in uh, uh, Japan, if you live in uh, Australia, you can enter this contest. There's no rules that say you can't. But we're only going to ship that coop to the lower 48 states of this great land. So, for example, if you live in Europe, you can enter. If you win, you can row your dinghy right over the pond and uh, maybe to, say, the Savannah, Georgia port. Pick that coop up and then row your dinghy right on home. So no worries. You can enter no matter where you live, but we're only going to ship the coop to the lower 48 states. That's how that works. In fact, uh, I think in about another uh, two weeks, we're going to be giving that coop away. We're going to call the winner live on this podcast, and uh, maybe they'll pick up the phone. That's always a fun time. 
someone's going to win a brand new $1,500 chicken coop slash tractor from Curtis Coops and YardBarns.com. Got to love it. Visit them online. If you can tell a little bit, my sinuses are driving me nuts today. I knew I should have took a Benadryl when I woke up, but I did not. Now it's kicking me in the rear end, so I just took one. So if I doze off during the show, you'll know why. Because I took a Benadryl about 10 minutes ago. But uh, hopefully that will take care of the problem. But um, as you can tell, it's been, uh, yeah, definitely kicking my butt. Myself. Yesterday I was okay, but, man, I woke up this morning, and I, I re- tried to remember, but I didn't. Ran a few errands, came back, and my nose and stuff, yep, sneezing, ah, so uh, the wind's blowing, there's lots of sand where we're at, so it's, uh, man, it's uh, the sinus time, so hopefully that Benadryl will kick in here in a little bit. So, uh, hey, let's go ahead, he's called in, we're going to bring on Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, you'll love it when he's on, let's give him a big chicken whisper, welcome. Hey, Peter, thank you very much for joining us today, hope you had a great weekend. Well, you did, Andy. How about yourself? I did pretty good. No no complaints whatsoever. Hope you had a good uh, Father's Day. We had a pretty good Father's Day uh, celebration uh, with my family. I was thinking yesterday, you know, it's it's often, you know, we, we take this time, you know, to, to honor our dads, and uh, I made sure that I gave my dad a phone call yesterday and, uh, and talked to him and wished him a happy day, regardless of, I don't even know the history of how this day got started, whether it was a hallmark for marketing or if it was, you know, who knows. But um, nonetheless, we, we honor our uh, fathers on Father's Day, and, and I did that, and, and my family did ours. But I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, that it's one thing for them to, 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 to say how much and thank and all that kind of stuff on a particular day, but at the same time, uh, on Father's Day, I reflect, uh, for me anyway, not just, oh, what, what are you doing for me, but I, re- I reflected my mind about how thankful I am to be a father and how awesome it is to be a father and how I've been blessed as a father with two great kids and, and a wonderful wife and a mom and uh, so I took the time yesterday as well to think about uh, how awesome it is and how I've been blessed and uh, what it means to, to be a dad and and, uh, and the kids and what my responsibilities are and you know things like that so it's uh, it's not just oh it's Father's Day I can sit and have a brew and watch football all day and not have to do anything because it's Father's Day but um, <laughs> for some people it's that but I, would, uh, I spent some time just thinking about what it means to, to me, not just, uh, oh, great, I get a tie or, or a belt or whatever, or, you know, I get a nice meal or get taken out to dinner. But So that's, that's kind of how I celebrated yesterday and had some uh, personal time to think about what, what it means to me to be a dad and what my responsibility is and how lucky I am to have the family that I have. So I hope you had a, a good celebration and some acknowledgement uh, yesterday for, uh, for Father's Day. And uh, hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, I had a good day. Uh, um, just uh, we don't drink here either, so drinking wasn't a, <laughs> a yeah, thing. I don't ever have. And, yeah. and uh, television and sports and I don't get along anyway. So uh, <laughs> don't know the television. That, any any of that yeah. junk uh, was not in in my uh, uh, realm of things to do for the day. But no, we did a few things. Uh, around the uh, uh, chicken coop here and, and uh, just had a, a quiet day, uh, more or less. And, uh, Very good. Yeah, awesome. Went, went to dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Got to love it. Well, when you were out at the chicken coop, you see any flies. Today we're talking about fly control. 
it won't be an extremely long show, but we're going to give folks the information they need if they do have a fly issue or a fly problem or want to just prevent the fly problem or a fly issue. And every now and then I'll get an email about that or someone will post it on Facebook. And the summer heat, they'll get a lot of rain. And next thing you know, they've got some flies around the coop. And they want to they want to know how they can deal with it safely and effectively without harming the chickens. And that's that's our topic today. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> this is not necessarily uh, an area that I'm uh, steeped in deeply, but um, uh, this came about in two two ways. Um, as most people who listen to the show on a regular basis know, we've got a few chickens here, and um, uh, started kind of last year. I just uh, was uh, getting more annoyed with the fly population, and <clears throat> I was kind of taken back just a little bit. Uh, places kept clean, no junk and trash laying around for the most part, um, you know, other than what the chickens leave behind is manure, and that's cleaned up on a regular basis for the most part. <clears throat> so it kind of uh, got under my skin a little bit that we were still seeing what I considered more than my, our fair share of, uh, of flies. <clears throat> so this actually, this investigation for me was on and off all last year, and and, uh, and the cold weather set in, and it kind of goes away, and it, uh, it's in the, not in the forefront of your mind. But uh, at any rate, um, I had a couple of... Uh, folks contact me in relation to, uh, you know, being overrun with flies and everything else. So uh, I got my data that I collected out and I organized it. And um, uh, that's the uh, information that we'll use today to, uh, you know, uh, to go forward and explain to folks what it's all about, how they can uh, uh, mitigate a lot of this and how they can keep a lot of this from uh, happening on their own place. If it's happening, the best thing to do, uh, first off, is to get it under control. And uh, that starts in a number of different ways. But <clears throat> first, uh, knowing the enemy is probably uh, the, the best uh, weapon that any uh, field general ever had. And uh, when you undertake these kind of, uh, of, of endeavors on your farm, it's kind of like the same thing. You're the, you're the general, <clears throat> and the better you know the enemy, uh, the easier it is to uh, control them, make them do what you want, or defeat them uh, totally. Um, I doubt <clears throat> very... Uh, Seriously, whether most folks will be able to uh, totally eliminate their fly population, but you should be able to get it down to uh, a very uh, easily managed uh, population, uh, if not get rid of, of, of the majority of them. Uh, <clears throat> the most common uh, fly uh, that is out there, and there are all kinds of different flies, and I'm not going to go into that. I don't think that's uh, uh, going to be that beneficial, <clears throat> but there are, are all kinds of different flies. Uh, most of them do pretty much the same thing, annoy the snot out of you. And um, <clears throat> the, the most common one is called the common house fly. And for those that, that care, the uh, scientific name is Musca domestica. And um, those are the ones that are uh, share inhabitants uh, with uh, with man, uh, whether it be on the farm or in your home or in your car or wherever wherever they may be, um, and they they are found to be about 90% of the nuisance problem uh, where flies uh, basically exist. All of the other uh, different species of uh, flies, uh, the bot fly, the face flies, the uh, uh, flesh fly, and and the green bottle fly, blue bottle fly. All of those make up the other 10%. So you can see that this is where you need to focus your, your concentration um, and uh, learn as much as you can about uh, this particular one. And for the most part, you'll pretty much control the rest of them. Uh, 
the distribution of these. Obviously, uh, it's, it's a worldwide deal. They're anywhere and everywhere uh, that uh, uh, food is found for them. Um, and uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the eggs that the uh, females lay will winter over in the soil uh, or in uh, uh, compost piles uh, and everything else as what they call pupae. And uh, they eventually, when, they, when the weather changes and the moisture is right, uh, they will come out and turn into your maggots and then into your, uh, basically your adult fly. <clears throat> so what you'll have is the eggs that will hatch, and that will equal maggots, and then they'll, uh, they'll pupate and come out as, as adults. Okay? Um, these uh, flies are responsible for a multitude of different diseases that they're capable of spreading. Um, and I'm just going to touch on the surface of a few here just to throw them out there to let you know that uh, they are responsible for many, many diseases, especially in your underdeveloped countries. How many times have we seen the, uh, the, the people in, in um, all these different countries uh, uh, and the, you know, the, them and the children, the faces pretty much covered with uh, flies every couple of inches or so or more. And uh, <clears throat> so they, they can be annoying. And... Uh, but they can spread uh, typhoid, dysentery, uh, gastroenteritis, tuberculosis, um, to name a few there. Uh, and chickens, uh, they can spread coccidiosis, uh, E. coli, uh, campylobacter. And this is not just somebody saying that this has been proven. <clears throat> and the way they do this is that they, uh, they will take uh, a, a white card uh, or white filter paper and put it in areas where flies are known to, to be. They will let those flies defecate on those uh, uh, on those uh, white papers, so they're able to see it. They will then harvest that dropping, and then they will test it. And it's uh, very sophisticated now. They're using the same testing to find these uh, disease organisms as they are disease organisms in, in uh, chickens, which is uh, PCR, uh, very sophisticated. Picks up a DNA footprint. Uh, it's called a polymerase chain reaction uh, test. So they're they're doing all these things, so they know that this is this is what's going on, and uh, they're spread by the fly by uh, what we call mechanical means. Uh, this would be somewhat the equivalent of you moving equipment around uh, from one infected pen to another. Um, so that would be the fly itself, uh, the hairs on the on the fly. They have little hairs on their legs and and so on. Uh, they would be spread by uh, uh, their mouth parts uh, as they consume. Uh, food uh, that you may even be eating. Uh, it's the fly that sits down on your hamburger and when you're at the picnic table and uh, or you're outside somewhere eating something and uh, you leave your sandwich for a second and <clears throat> you come back and two or three flies are, are doing the, uh, the poop dance on your, uh, on your sandwich. So, um, so from their mouth parts, uh, their body hairs, um, from their vomit, um, they will um, take things in and add enzymes uh, to them to break them down and uh, vomit them back up. And, and, and uh, after it's uh, been partly digested and redigested themselves, uh, and um, they'll sometimes just leave it behind, and also the fecal matter that they leave behind. So there's many different ways that a fly can spread the um, um, disease organism, whether it be to you, whether it be to your dog, your cat, your chicken, your child, um, or the food that you're eating. So, um, and just what do they eat? Well, they're not very picky, I can tell you that. Um, flies will eat anything from sewage 
to the human food that you eat and anything in between, uh, dead and rotten carcasses. Uh, they'll feed on your feed and your feeders. Uh, they'll drink out of the waterers and, and the, your, your birds' water troughs, uh, waterers, uh, containers, uh, puddles, uh, uh, high grass outside that's got a lot of uh, moisture content to it. They'll drink off that. They'll, uh, actually, in actuality, if it's moist <clears throat> and, it's, and, it's, uh, and it's warm, uh, they'll lay their eggs there. Uh, so when the eggs hatch out and they go into the larval state, they need the moisture. So um, there's a lot of things that <clears throat> that go on, uh, you know, with them. Um, so anything from sewage to to whatever you can find, uh, they will they will uh, consume. Um, besides the disease problem that they present, um, this is this holds true with cattle, uh, with uh, with sheep, with um, chickens, turkeys, uh, uh, pigs, um, horses. Uh, but the more flies they have on them, the more flies they, the more time they spend trying to uh, get the flies off of them. So you have animals that are constantly shaking, moving, um, some cases running, uh, some cases rolling around on the ground. Uh, all of these things end up because of the flies uh, being stresses, and uh, so this, uh, uh, what we would call an overpopulation of flies on a farm. Uh, ends up causing stress to the animal. It can cause them to give off the uh, corticosteroids that, that hold down their immune system and allow disease to take hold. Uh, and it also is responsible for uh, weight loss amongst all these animals from uh, uh, spending more time trying to get rid of the flies off themselves than they are actually eating. So they actually uh, do end up um, losing weight and uh, being un under stressful conditions and uh, can, can actually hurt them, kind of like chickens getting mites or flies are not a heck of a lot better um, as far as uh, this is concerned. Um, the life cycle of the female, because she's, she's the big culprit, she's the one you really want to get rid of. Um, uh, they can lay eggs within 48 hours after they're hatched themselves, so they become very prolific uh, breeders uh, almost immediately. Um, some of them may do so earlier than 48 hours, uh, and they may do that as, the, as they're able to dry off after they, uh, after they hatch out. So once their wings are, are, are dried and everything else, uh, they find a mate. So anywhere uh, from the time they dry off to about 48 hours, you're going to look at them starting to lay eggs. Um, the, uh, depending on how long they live, uh, they can lay thousands of eggs. But on average, about 800 eggs during their life cycle, which is one to three months, uh, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. It uh, just depends. Uh, so um, one, one fly uh, can be responsible for uh, easily 800 offspring uh, at the minimum. So uh, you know, it would behoove you to, uh, to try to <coughs> uh, control these uh, flies and uh, uh, get them under control not only for the, the benefit of your birds, but for the benefit of yourself, because you're, if you're out there in the coop or the runs or wherever, uh, you're going to be uh, uh, harassed by them just as much as your birds would be, maybe even more so. It might be more attracted to you, uh, your uh, cologne, your perfume, your sweat on your body, uh, whatever you're eating, uh, so on. So how are we going to end up controlling these things? There, there's a lot of different ways, um, but there are many different things that you... Uh, can do and should do prior to the consideration of using any kind of chemical, whether it be uh, an organic method or whether it be a, um, um, a chemical method, okay? 
So if you remove the food sources that are drawing them to your place uh, as best that you can, uh, so you're going to want to remove in a in a our particular situation. When I say our, I mean the listening audience as well. Um, you know, any eggs that get broken in the coop uh, that you drop, uh, or the chickens uh, break, uh, it would make sense to clean it up as soon as possible. Uh, never leave it laying around for very long. Not only will the chickens eat it, but the flies will have a party with it as well. Uh, certainly, any dead birds or carcasses of dead birds, rodents, or any other uh, uh, animal that comes into your pen or outside your pen that dies or is killed by you, uh, those should be burned or, and or buried so that they don't become a haven for the flies. Um, uh, moisture control, uh, they love moist, uh, damp, warm uh, areas to breed in, to lay their eggs. Uh, so deny them the opportunity to, to lay their eggs uh, in, in your coop, uh, in your runs, pens, uh, cages, whatever you're uh, containing your birds in. So um, if you've got water cups, in some cases folks have automatic water cups. We were talking with some people the other day, and they had a couple of them that were automatic and they kept overrunning. Um, might behoove you to put a filter in the line to uh, filter out any uh, particles that may or may not be in that water because all it takes is a little particle of sand, a little particle of iron uh, or any other mineral or piece of plastic break off somewhere, just tiniest thing, get behind that little valve and it'll sit there and it'll just drip and leak and drip and leak and you'll keep triggering it and thinking that you're clearing it out, but you're not. It's, it's, you gotta take the cup out and take the back part of it off, clean it, put it all back together and it'll stop leaking. So you want to dry up any, any uh, water leaks, um, dry up spilled water uh, <clears throat> as quickly as possible. And that's one of the things we've learned here because we have a duck and, um, so it becomes more difficult, you know. And as as I learned, what the problems were here with uh, flies, uh, I was able to, for the most part, uh, go through and take care of those and mitigate them as the best we could to uh, eliminate uh, as much as possible uh, the nuisance fly population that comes with owning chickens or any other animal that's uh, outside like this. So you want to control that water. Um, if you got leaks, fix them. If you're uh, got water that you're dumping out for the day uh, from overnight from water jugs and water containers and uh, two and three and four five gallon water containers you, you might find a place to dump that where you can either cover it up or it will be absorbed into the ground very rapidly okay you just don't want it to puddle up somewhere where they're going to come along and uh, start laying their eggs uh, in this uh, particular area uh, if you have uh, an area inside where the flies are congregating, um, usually they will go to the warmest place. They like the warmth, so they, they are going to um, seek out the higher levels generally in, in the summertime in a coop, so they're going to be hanging around on the rafters uh, up top uh, and things like that. If you can deny them that heat up there and bring them down closer, uh, they're easier to kill, uh, and they may just go somewhere else. Uh, we keep a lot of air moving in our coop, uh, today the temperature here is going to be up around 88 degrees and uh, we have the fan on in there blowing air pretty good and it, it, it sucks from the ground up out and over the top kind of like a waterfall effect so it's, it sucks from the ground up hits the ceiling and comes down around the, the, the sides and, and so on so we keep a lot of air moving and that keeps them from setting up shop to a degree uh, in the coop itself 
Um, seed is another problem, um, and we ran into that here. We have, uh, as most folks know, we've got a, a fair amount of roosters in our group. So when we feed everybody, we give ample feed space. Um, the uh, feeder in the building is a, is a normal uh, 15, 20-pound uh, chicken fe uh, feeder. But outside, we've been using a, um, uh, a decent-sized plastic uh, bowl. And um, the problem with that is that um, the uh, couple of them decide to get in it, and, and, and I don't, for the life of me, I don't understand why you've got to stand in the food that you're going to eat, but I guess that's just the nature of the beast. But uh, so they some stand on the outside of the bowl and will 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 peck at the food, and the food is is not um, uh, it's not very shallow, so it's because there's a number of birds eating out there. And then I always I observed on several different occasions uh, because it was coming out and finding a lot of feed on the outside. And I blame it on the squirrels and blame it on the on the on the free flying birds. Well, when you really observe it, the free flying squirrels, the, the birds rather, and the squirrels don't really come in there because we have some cats that are chicken friendly in there, and uh, they're not coming in with the cats. So that ruled that out. So like uh, an inspector Clouseau type thing, go around and find out, and they find out it's the chickens throwing it all out on the ground. So keeping that cleaned up again takes away a feed source from the uh, from the uh, uh, flies and, and makes it tougher for them. If you're not feeding them and not giving them a place to set up shop, uh, they've got to go somewhere else. Okay. Um, again, making sure that the water that drains you know, from your property, uh, don't allow it to stand in puddles. Uh, I mentioned that we have a duck. Well, we've got a little pond for him, and we clean that out every day, and we're making efforts uh, every day to make sure uh, that that water goes into a place where it can be absorbed very quickly and not allowed to lay on the surface of, of the ground. Um, yes, this all does take effort, and it all uh, you know, uh, pays off in the end with a, a lower, uh, if not significantly lower, um, fly population and may even you know, uh, keep you from having to use any kind of uh, chemical fly control. Um, uh, Again, don't don't allow droppings to accumulate because they're a prime uh, uh, place for the uh, the flies to go to. Uh, this goes for uh, you know, cat droppings, dog droppings, uh, chicken droppings, whatever animal you're raising. Uh, they're going to go after after the droppings uh, uh, very quickly, and um, so the quicker you can keep most of them contained and cleaned up, you're you're going to be okay uh, as far as that's concerned. Um, we have uh, a lot of drainage ditches in the area here. Um, that's the way uh, most run off from the roads. Uh, they go down through a grate in, at the, on the curb by the road, but they then go out into the farm fields that are around here. And um, well, we don't have ultimate control over, over that part of it. Uh, those that are close to your home, if you have them bordering your property, um, you might want to um, uh, Keep them cleaned out so that they that they drain. Once they get built up with a lot of weeds and, and debris and so on <clears throat> and and uh, silt, uh, they don't uh, drain out very well and they stay moist. And it's a great place for uh, the flies to come in, set up shop, and um, uh, you know annoy you, you know, and your birds and everything else. So see if you can you know eliminate that part of it. Um, here's one most people don't think of. We don't really have too much of a problem here with this. Uh, but your neighbor, 
If your neighbor has livestock, if your neighbor has chickens, if your neighbor has horses, cattle, pigs, uh, whatever, uh, even if they're a reasonable distance away from you um, and they're not doing anything to control the flies there, uh, guess what? The flies are going to set up shop over there and they're going to come visit you as well. So, um, you know, if you can and you're in good terms with, with a neighbor and you can discuss something like that, by all means do so. Uh, if not on that side of the property where the, that uh, particular operation is, uh, I would uh, consider setting up some traps, uh, fly traps. You can use any kind. I'm not going to go into any particular type. There's uh, uh, fly baits that you can use to put on the ground, uh, which you have to uh, then be careful about non-target uh, species getting that. Uh, you can use the uh, uh, fly traps that you can buy in any hardware store or uh, that have an attractant in them. Uh, they can become expensive. You can make your own. Um, uh, as far as that's concerned, you can make one with some uh, screening around the outside of it and out of wood. Um, and uh, you can also make a, um, a cone in the middle that has a real tiny, tiny hole for them to get in, but they can't get out. And uh, you put an attractant inside, and uh, real simple to do. Uh, and uh, should be very cost-effective uh, for you as far as that's concerned. Um, inside the coop, you could probably use those uh, fly tape things. I know we've used them here. Uh, the only problem is you've got to make sure you put them up out of your reach of your hair, um, otherwise you'll be wearing it. Um, so um, then we can move on to, uh, you know, possible chemical controls. Um, the, there's... Uh, a zillion different products. Uh, the ones that I feel would work uh, very well for most operations, including here, um, uh, under chemical control, would be your permethrin and your pyrethrin products. A pyrethrin, not going to have any residual activity, but you're going to get a reasonably quick knockdown as soon as it touches the fly. Uh, within uh, a minute or so, the, the, the fly is going to be dead. Okay. The, the only drawback to that is that when you do this, and, the, and, there is, and that product dries on the wall or whatever area it hits, the flies can land on it, and it's not going to help. But if you're looking to get quick control right this minute, uh, it's a, a viable alternative, uh, not overly expensive and uh, relatively safe. Okay? The other one would be the 10% uh, permethrin products. Uh, they go a long way, not overly expensive either. Um, you can spray them uh, on the walls, uh, and um, even they continue to work after they're dry because they have what we call a residual activity. Uh, inside of a building, again, depending on the uh, amount of bird activity in there, the amount of dust and, and so on, uh, you can look for it to last on the inside uh, anywhere from two to four, maybe six weeks, okay? before reapplication would be necessary. And you'll judge for yourself what the reapplication rate would be um, if it seems to be helping getting the fly population under control. Because once they land on it, in a couple of minutes they'll be dead. Okay? They may fly off, but they're not going to fly far. Okay? Uh, but you'll judge by what the fly die-off is. If they're not dying off sufficiently after a while, you'll have to reapply it. Okay? Uh, one of the more modern uh, chemical-type products, which I happen to like. Um, it has nothing to do with me selling it. You can buy it anywhere. Um, it's called QuickBait. It's made by Bayer Pharmaceuticals. And um, I like it because you don't have to use a lot of it. 
and it comes in a 24-ounce bottle. We sell it for about 15 bucks. Uh, it's a powder. You mix it with water. It's got all the directions. Everything comes in a spray bottle, the whole bit, ready to roll. And um, this would be used uh, in or out of the coop because you're not trying to get it all over the place. Uh, I would suggest um, uh, putting in maybe uh, at the top of the uh, of the ceiling, just below the ceiling where the flies congregate. And you want to put this stuff where there's been evidence of flies, and you know that by looking at the fly droppings, the little tiny specks that are all over the place when they, uh, when they defecate. And because flies are voracious eaters and they eat a lot, they also poop a lot. So that's why you see so many fly specks all the time. Okay? But where you see the fly specks is where you want to put it. And I would put up a, um, uh, I would put up a, um, about a four-inch or so circle every couple of feet all around the uh, inside perimeter of the upper wall just below the ceiling. Um, what's nice about it, this has a residual activity too. Uh, get quick kill, about 60 seconds. Um, and I, after the flies uh, touch it, uh, there's an attractant in it, so it makes them come to it. You can also do this on the eaves on the outside of the building or anywhere outside. Um, certainly you don't want to pick a day when it's raining, uh, things of that nature. Uh, but this, uh, this product works extremely well and should help you gain control uh, fairly quickly. But I can tell you this, if you're not going to do <clears throat> a lot of the things that I mentioned earlier on about cleaning up, drying the place out, denying uh, access to food, droppings, uh, moisture, and all of these other things, um, you're going to be playing catch-up forever because you can't kill them as fast as, fast as they're going to hatch. Um, some of the more natural control-type things, um, uh, I didn't go too, too heavily in, into this uh, because everybody's got their own idea of what natural is. Everybody's got their own idea of homemade remedies and, and that kind of stuff, and, and I'm okay with that. Whatever works for you is fine with me. Um, but there's two things that, that came to mind uh, for me, and this would help with um, mosquitoes as well. There is ample evidence to show that uh, catnip oil uh, is every bit as good a deterrent, if not better, than DEET. Okay? And um, there are numerous products on the market, and uh, so that's, that's an alternative. Uh, a nat the natural control methods would certainly be all of the methods that I uh, uh, previously went through here as far as drying up and getting rid of the, the uh, excessive manure and, and, and that kind of thing. We keep ours bagged because uh, we've learned a lesson, too. We had it in um, um, into um, uh, some um, metal trash cans that are used for burning purposes, so they have holes in them. They have a lid, but never dawned on me to, you know, because I wasn't really worried about it, but uh, one day went out there and took the top off, and it was just loaded with maggots. So it was uh, a learning lesson real quick. So all of that's been changed and into solid metal trash cans, and, and we've done away with that part of it. But deny them access, deny them entry, deny them food, deny them water, deny them a place to set up shop. It's all part of the natural control method. Uh, the catnip oil, I've not used it, but everything I've read, including, including, uh, information that I have and received from a, a primary researcher at the Department of Agriculture because they, they study all this kind of stuff there, believe it or not. And uh, um, the, all of the tests show that the catnip oil is, is uh, superior to DEET. Okay? Um, 
Maybe last but not least is using predator wasps uh, for predation. These are wasps that are not, um, they're, they're tiny. They're not going to bother humans. They don't sting humans. Um, but they're going to um, work their way into the female will, uh, a wasp. Um, she'll seek out the uh, pupae, and she'll take her ovipositor that she lays her eggs with, and she will um, stick that ovipositor into the, the pupae, and she will um, eat some of the, the, uh, the uh, uh, pupae that's inside, and she will then inject her egg into it, and her offspring, as it grows, will eat uh, eat the, uh, the, the fly, uh, uh, basically a maggot, so to speak, that's inside, okay, and thereby killing it but also will set up and, and let her reproduce her young through that. So it's a double-edged uh, sword for you, but it's a good one because it's going to kill the uh, pupating uh, larva, and it's going to allow a uh, predatory wasp to be born uh, in, the, in the same breath, so to speak. So it's like killing two birds with, with one stone. Um, and... Um, this will continue that that whole whole life cycle. Um, it's done all over the all over the country. Um, it's um, and there are there are there are many uh, different uh, types of predator wasps around. Um, these uh, <coughs> eggs, when they're laid into uh, either soil, usually it's uh, it's got to be a soft soil, but it's got to be moist and it's got to be warm, and um, they're usually not very far below the surface. Uh, different species of flies go. Uh, Tendency to go deeper into the um, to the uh, to the soil or the compost or, or the manure uh, pile, whichever. And um, so you may have to research out. Uh, again, I didn't want to go into 19 different species and, and what right. each one does, but that, because this is the most common, uh, this one will uh, go into uh, the ones that are about an inch or so below the surface. Okay, there are other species of flies that go down be below that one inch, and this particular type of, uh, which is the most common uh, predator wasp that uh, is used, uh, uh, won't get down into the soil or the uh, manure that far. Uh, and this, this one's called uh, uh, Muscated Furex raptorellus. That's M-U-S-C-I-D-I-F-U-R-A-X, then raptorellus. R-A-P-T-O-R-E-L-L-U-S, okay? And there are a whole slew of them. I mean, if you, if you uh, want to research it out any further. Um, but I, my whole purpose today is share this with everybody because, you know, we had the problem, still an ongoing problem, but not near as bad as it was. Uh, learned a lot, uh, things I never even thought about because it's not something I was thinking about, you know, uh, who cares if you spill a little bit of water on the ground and it stays there for four or five hours? Who cares? You know, it's in the chicken yard. Well, the flies care because they come and drink and lay eggs and set up shop and make a mess and aggravate everybody to death and, and so on. And um, also, if you're next to somebody who's feeding out cattle and they use these big round bales, uh, research has also shown that they are the biggest supplier of flies around those bales because they... They, uh, they love the, the uh, moisture that's provided by the cattle, the droppings, and the hay bale itself. And when it rains, 
that's a great haven for them. So folks might want to uh, look into that. Now, one other thing before I finish my uh, part of it here, and we can answer any questions anybody might have if I'm capable of doing so, um, I didn't go too far into chemical um, uh, control of the larva. And the reason I didn't do that is I wouldn't recommend it for the average person because almost all of these um, require you to um, uh, take special care of the manure and or whatever pile you're putting it in. So uh, I wouldn't recommend it to go into compost. I wouldn't recommend these things to go into um, you know, your, your manure pile. Um, I just thought they were too... Uh, volatile product for the folks that we deal with, and more for somebody in a commercial feedlot, somebody more for in a commercial poultry uh, house that's got a zillion chickens, and uh, they would spread this stuff, um, um, you know, on top of the uh, the manure, and it will uh, take care of the, of, the, of the larva. So I couldn't see that for the folks that I deal with, uh, and. The folks that did, you know basically listen to this show, I don't think most of them would be interested in something like that. So right. I didn't, I didn't really go into it. But uh, in the commercial poultry industry, and I don't know what they're doing today, but I know years back when I was in it, uh, they used to feed a product to laying hens called Larvadex, and that would uh, uh, the chemical would come out in the manure and uh, prevent the uh, the fly population from getting out of control. And uh, you know they had the same problem because they have automatic waters and you get two or three or four of them in a, in a house that's, uh, you know, seven, 800 feet long or better. Uh, got 100,000 chickens in it, and uh, how do you find a water cup that's leaking? You know, it's, uh, it's pretty tough. But, um, and then it makes a mess. And then when they get down, that gets, makes the manure wet, and the fly population just, just spikes and takes right off. So it's a pretty simple deal. <clears throat> and I know we've cleaned our act up around here and, and makes life for everybody a little bit easier. Not that it was totally out of control, but I'm not a big bug fan anyway. So uh, <laughs> This was right up my alley trying to get it taken care of, but uh, it uh, worked out well for us. Yeah, Perfect. No, good. Very good information. I do have a couple of questions I'll uh, ask when we come back from the commercial break. Folks, we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Talking about fly control today, and uh, I've got a couple of questions for him when we return right after this short break. So stay with us. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's gqfradio.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. 
Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit ChickenFountain.com. That's ChickenFountain.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. How would you like a punch in the beak? Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Just a reminder, if you missed any part of today's show, if you joined us late, the show will be available in its entirety uh, via um, podcast. So uh, it will be archived shortly after the live show is over. So I've got a question. I get this a lot. Uh, Peter, you may as well, but uh, a lot of people knowing how chickens like to eat insects and uh, and grubs and maggots and everything else they can find and scratch around for, I often have people call me and say, why do I have flies? Don't chickens eat the flies? Don't they eat the fly larvae? Don't they eat the little grubs when they, you know, once they're crawling around on the ground? Why do I have a fly problem, even if I only have about a dozen chickens? Don't they eat them? Don't they eat the larvae? Uh, that's such a question I get a lot. Well, um, <clears throat> number one, it, it may not be healthy for them to eat the fly, um, right? Because of of the disease uh, problem that they that they that they uh, you know represent. But uh, that being said, um, the, the larva is a different story. Uh, the larva is out of sight, out of mind. The chicken is going to have to hunt and pick for it. So, um, you know, the as far as I know, and I have you know researched this out. Um, the, uh, as far as the, the chicken eating the larva, that's not a, a health hazard for them that I am aware of. Um, uh, so, as you know, w- you know why the chickens aren't eating them is because they're not finding them. On average, uh, the common house fly is going to be roughly uh, anywhere from at least a half an inch to an inch below the surface. So, um, 
that's probably why the chickens are not getting, you know, the uh, uh, the, the larva itself, uh, which would cut down on the on the fly population for sure. So, um, I mean, that's the only explanation that makes any sense. I, I mean, if a, if a chicken is, uh, you know, because I, I pretty much watch ours out here, uh, not as much as Tammy does, but uh, go out and and, and uh, sit around out there for a few minutes and watch them, and um, they dig and scratch, but they're as a general rule, unless they're going to dust bathe, they're they're not digging too deep. You know, they're they're not digging too deep. I mean, if you yes. if if you take the little pool that the that the duck has and you move it, and there's some uh, worms under there, by God, they come running. They they, they can smell them. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and it isn't isn't long before they're gone. I mean, you know, and like I said, we only got about 17 birds or so. You know, and um, but um, you know. You can't stop them from doing it. I don't like them to do it, but they're out there. They forage around. They have a big area. Um, they can do as as they please. So, uh, but we don't seem to have any any uh, you know particular problems uh, you know in that in that regard. Um, I just I just I just want to throw something out there because I, this this is uh, something I think is cool. Other people might not think it's so cool, but we have a situation here where we have some birds that cannot be let out with the others. Uh, for instance, we have a rooster. He's older. He's blind. He's healthy in every other respect. So we, we uh, uh, at night and stuff, he's kept inside in a cage, and he has a hen with him all the time. And uh, it's kind of neat to watch him because uh, you know, I don't think he's 100% 100% blind, but he's not capable of being with the rest of them outside. I think that uh, it'd be easy pickings. And um, so she'll lead him to food and water keep a, a big uh, cup that hangs right on the side of the, the uh, cage that they're in. The cage is quite large for the two birds. But we picked up one of these pet gazebos from uh, Tractor Supply, as a matter of fact. And um, while it might seem a little pricey in the beginning, uh, I was extremely impressed with it. Uh, it's At the top, its peak, it's about five feet tall. Uh, this is ideal for us for because, uh, see, we, we've got another... Uh, Problem as well besides the uh, the two that uh, um, you know the one that's blind uh, we've got a, a mama with a baby with you know 17 adults running around and um, most of them being roosters so we uh, don't feel comfortable just turning mama with a baby out and it'll be carnage so um, we're using that rotating the mama and the baby in that and um, uh, we recently just uh, as a matter of fact as we were putting around out there yesterday with we put um, this uh, green uh, plastic uh, fencing around it so that the baby can't get out. Uh, it's only about three weeks old. And um, it works really, really well, and, and it's had the, the uh, uh, little covering on the top of this thing is reversible, um, white for the summertime and dark for the wintertime. So uh, it's kind of a nice little thing. It's portable. You take it down in five, ten minutes. I mean, I put it up in 15 and uh, without even reading the directions, basically. So it's a nice little, nice little unit. It's very portable, um, and uh, you know, we can move it anywhere we want around the yard and, and everything else. And uh, so I just want to throw that out there for people. It's, a, it's, a, it's not something you're going to put them out where there's predators. That's not the, the, this, they're in our large run inside uh, where there's ample room for this thing, and we don't have to worry about predators as far as that's concerned. Uh, this is just to keep the... Uh, the flock itself from uh, doing any harm to anybody that may be in that thing. It works out real, real well. I'm very happy with it. 
Awesome. I remember back in 2010 when I was touring around the uh, country with uh, Purina, and I was in uh, Texas just outside of Dallas, and there was a guy that had come up with a, uh, a thing called the Biopod. And I'll admit it was quite expensive. Uh, he, he designed it. Of course, he had to make get somebody to make the mold. It was made out of a hard plastic. And uh, the, the whole uh, concept there was to uh, grow... Uh, I believe it's called black army fly larvae, uh, which is not like the invasive of the house fly and things like that that we're talking about today. And uh, what it did was you would add food scraps to the bottom of this, and it would, um, uh, in hopes to grow the larva from the uh, black army fly, I think it was called. And uh, then the little worms, the little maggots, would crawl up this angled part of this molded biopod, and when it got to the top, there was a long slit, an opening, and they would fall out. You could have a little thing that would catch them and then feed them to your chickens when you wanted to, or they would just go up and then fall out on the ground. Your chickens would run over and pick them up. And uh, he got us one of those back in 2010, and we tried it, and he said, you know, some people have luck with it just putting it outside and adding, you know, some, some food preps uh, and a biomass to it, but sometimes you'll have to order your first uh, application of the uh, larvae to get kind of get them started, mm-hmm. and uh, that was very interesting. I don't know how successful he's been with it since 2010, and so I know a lot of people have heard about them. Some people heard about it, look at it, and do their own, because uh, I think the thing was about $180, if I remember correctly. It's still available. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's still available. I'm cool. not sure cool. it's the same one. They call it um, the Bioconversion Digester. If I can get my favorites to come up here, I could tell you all about it. Yeah, it's called, um, was originally was called Protopod. Okay. And that was back in 2008, 2010, and they've changed it. Uh, I actually like the original design better than the new one, but then I guess they did it for uh, cost purposes. And um, But, yeah, it's it's available it's, the, okay. it's called the, the Future of Food Waste Diversion and Recycling. And you Very can cool. get all Yeah, it is available. In actuality, I, I was considering it uh, for here, uh, in the future. Not right this minute, but in the future. And, um, Very cool. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's... And the idea here was to, you know, feed the grubs. Yeah. And it has a, a methodology for it so that... Um, you really don't have to touch the grubs because most people don't want to touch them. Uh, right, right. And th- this had a, uh, a place for them to, um, like a little spiral road yeah. on the on uh-huh. the out- yeah. inside diameter of the of, of perimeter of the of the, uh, of the thing. I guess they start out and then they they work their way up to this little cup and then fall in there and then you take the cup off and you feed it to the chickens. So yeah, right, I, I, right, that's right. interesting. You uh, so you still have it? Um. I think I do. I think it's somewhere, maybe out in the barn. Um, we we never could get it the, the black army flies to come on their own, and we just never got around to ordering the the initial startup larva to, to get them started. But uh, I think we probably do have it somewhere in the barn. Yeah, I th- I think that um, I think you you're probably right. You probably have to um, inoculate it first, and then go with it yeah. from there. But um, yeah, I was yeah I was just impressed with the thought of it. You know, I, I same way you know. This this may be a you know this may be a good thing to to start looking at because uh, we've been looking at a lot of different options for different things um, 
we're a little behind schedule as usual, but uh, um, you know our, our thing is to you know to do a few different different things here and then uh, uh, you know let people know what works for us and they may want to consider trying some of the things. Same thing. That's what this house fly thing is all about. You know this this is what's been working for us. Uh, are we there where we want to be yet? No, but we uh, you know in the next few weeks we should have be good control of fly population here. Very That's cool. what I want. Yeah, it is the season, and we get emailed or people post on our Facebook page. Uh, you know, oh, it's wet, damp, it's hot, it's humid. Now we got flies. I thought, on it, and I can take care of this. So it's a very uh, timely topic. I'm sure it'll be uh, listened to thousands of times, like our others. But it's a hot topic. It's a current topic, and we see a lot about it this time of year. So I'm sure it'll be a popular uh, archive podcast for years to uh, for years to come. So. We appreciate you joining us today, and uh, thanks for all the great information as always. Folks, uh, Peter joined us just about every single Monday. Uh, and uh, great information. And visit him online, firststatevetsupply.com. And it's chicken dr at firststatevetsupply.com. And uh, Peter, we thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure, Andy. We'll see you. All right. Take care. Thank you. And that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We're so glad you joined us today. Uh, tune in daily, Monday through Thursday, uh, right here at Blog Talk Radio. God bless everybody. Uh-huh.